Welcome to the Meeple Syrup Show, designers discussing design. We're on episode 61, Who's Got Next? And uh, I'm excited to say not only am I here with my regular co-host, Sen Fong Lim, but I also have the one, the only, Jonathan Gilmore, my brother from another mother. How you doing, John? How's it going, man? I am doing wonderful, but I got I to gotta hear about you. I feel like uh, I haven't got to chat to you in a while. What games are you working on? What games have you been playing lately? Oh, uh, it's been real busy. I just went and spent um, two days with uh, Action Phase Games over in Indiana. So, working on a project or two for them. Um, I've been playing uh, Linko quite a bit. I love uh, or Abluxen, I believe. Was yeah, Abluxen. Yep. And uh, Between Two Cities. I'm really digging that a lot. I haven't had a ton of time to game lately, unfortunately, but those two have been hitting the table. How about you? Oh, um, I've been playing... Today I actually played Bomb Squad, and I would show it on the screen, but I left it at work because we want to play it more. Uh... And today, while I was playing it, I came up with a new metric, and I think if anybody follows me on Facebook, you would know what this is, but one of my new metrics now for engagement is how many cell phones aren't being used at the time when we're playing it, and with um, that game, you really cannot, you have to engage completely and totally in it. It's like Hanabi plus, plus, plus. Uh, it's, it's like Hanabi plus um, something like Space Alert. Um, and that it's really quite fun and yet simple. Like the rules are very simple, uh, but it's very fun. And Dave Short did an awesome job on doing the rules layout, as he usually does. If you've never seen Dave Short's like uh, short guide to X game or whatever, like Belfort, he did one for way before we even knew each other. Um, he does a great job on the graphic design and layout for a lot of rules and things like that. So if you're looking for good rules. Uh, to base your game off of, check out anything that Dave Short has ever done in terms of graphic design and layout, or helped, or put a, put a hand in, uh, because oftentimes it might be Gavin that did the ones for um, ground floor or whatever, did the actual art part of it, but uh, David probably had a very big hand in it being a graphics guy. Um, so yeah, we've been playing that a lot, and uh, or just today, but we played it quite a bit today for being a brand new game. It is actually, uh, I will put this on record, it is the quickest play from uh, box, in mailbox, from quick Kickstarter to the table that I've ever done. Whoa, whoa. I, I, you know me, I, I ordered a lot from Kickstarter, and so <laughs> I get, That's I have piles true. of Kickstarter games that I've never played, uh, but this one, it's like, well, these are my friend's games, and I really want to play this, and it plays in 30 minutes, and it's awesome. So, you, anyways, you get to play Academy as well. You know what? No, because uh, we spent so much time playing the the right. actual big game um, that I didn't get to play Academy, which is Josh's and Daniel's game. So Josh Capel and Daniel Rocky. Um, so I hope to play that soon as well. How about you, Daryl? What have you been playing? Uh, well, I've only been basically focused on this lately, and that is because it's coming to Kickstarter within the week. So oh, that's ooh. right. Yeah, so it's been on like crackdown, like working on every little nick and cranny, making sure it's playing strong. So I'm really happy with it right now. So that's been the main focus this week. Um, beyond that, uh, there's been a few games. I, I forgot to give a shout-out, and uh, 
I picked this up actually while I was away, but I have to show, in my opinion, the ugliest game box. I've been hunting for this game for a while, just for this box. Anyone recognize it? Oh, that's Heads of the State. Heads of State, that's right. That's which, Peter's I, game. which Peter, the designer, would nice. agree it is the ugliest game in the world, and Redemption <laughs> is coming because this game has been developed and reworked into a wonderful game that's going to be coming out by Arcane Wonders uh, called Royals. So, oh, yes, Royals, that's right. So, And it is incredible. I honestly predict it will win the Spiel de Jar whatever year it comes out. Arcane Wonders, um, I talked to them at Grand Con, and they were showing me all the little details of the new cards and the little art changes they were making. They are worrying about the smallest of details because they know they have a winner there. So, well, as long as they put it out in German, then yeah. yes. Yeah, so whenever it comes out in German, I predict it wins this Wheel of Jar because it's just that game-friendly. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to be against that game whatever year that is as well. <laughs> That's funny. You know, it's oh. like the Alan Moon losing to Carcassonne when he had like two games that should have won. But yeah, how do you beat Carcassonne? I don't know. Well, uh, actually, interesting news um, that hopefully is good news for Jay and I is that uh, Will Wheaton is joining the cast of Powers. What? I know, what? right? That's pretty funny, eh? Yeah, wow. I don't know what he's gonna do, but Will's gonna be on Powers wow. uh, for season two or, or something. I don't know. Uh, I think, anyways, like this, I don't know, I just heard this today. So. That is crazy cool news. And, and um, I mean, our game's not going to have art from the show, which is actually a plus Still, in our... There's no way that he's not going to check it out, then. I hope so. And, um, yeah, so we got, that was really interesting news today that we got that, A, the Will thing is going to be there, and then that we're getting the art from the original comic book artist, Michael Avon Oming, who's like a hero of mine. Uh, so that's going to be cool too. And we're, I mean, the game's coming along really nicely. We're getting rid of like the, the combat with, that was just dice-based and we're making it much more meaningful and much more thematic. So we're happy with that. And then John and I are working on another game, cartoon comic book-based. Right, John? Yeah, that's right. So, um, uh, really exciting. Yeah. Very so we're, yeah, so we're hoping that that is coming up, um, you know, at some point in our lives that that will do something. But I'm really <laughs> excited with where it's going. Um, we're working on this weird and wonderful way to to make something out of nothing <laughs> in terms of uh, how do you find out who has something that's different every time. That's it. it there you go. There's a nice design challenge. I don't know. But we'll figure it out. Jay's really that, good at that kind know, of thing. But other people <laughs> tackle it, and you'll come up with a different game. That's the beauty of design challenges is <laughs> you hear, like, for instance, I love when Seth Jaffe talks about how he heard about Trajan and what he thought Trajan was going to be of an evolving <laughs> rondelle. Mm-hmm. that he thought, oh, shoot, I guess I can't make my game idea anymore. Then he saw Trajan, he was like, oh, this is nothing like what I was picturing. So he made his game, and now he has uh, this really interesting uh, game that he's finishing developing. If anyone sees him, ask him to play his, uh, I believe it's Gladiator. No, is it Gladiator? No, uh, Crusader-themed game. But uh, there's an example of you hear a challenge, and you decide, you know, how would you make that? So. Mm. Yeah, and actually, if you see Seth, ask him to play Belfort dice with you. 
<laughs> I was with him the last time he was asked that question. And <laughs> I know. He, didn't, he did not look too impressed. <laughs> so, so maybe don't. Oh, I don't, ask I don't that think he question. has it. Like he, we never said, We didn't send him a, a prototype. So we just sent him the rules. Don't ask him. Send him a prototype. Well, he has to right. ask for it first. Anyway. So uh, we have a really great show, and we started a couple minutes late. So I don't want to hold off anymore because these two gentlemen. Uh, we we've been wanting to book for a while, but uh, especially the director was uh, you know traveling all over the world, hard to catch. Uh, but we have our friend uh, Douglas Morris here, who we got to meet a few years ago when he started to take on this ambitious project. And we have the star or subject matter of the documentary, Randall Hoyt, and we're talking about. I'm sure people already know because we've been tweeting and sharing. But for anyone who doesn't know or has been hiding under a rock. Uh, the wonderful documentary, the next great American board game, and uh, we we gave we gave this a big plug when it first came out. But here we have a chance to follow up and hear, you know, more inside scoop. Kind of think of this as the extra features, uh, although that disc is flooded with incredible extra features. So I'd also rec- we'll talk about that. Um, and uh, and anyone who's going to BGG, uh, you're gonna have have a chance to check out this documentary as well. So. Um, sorry, I keep rubbing it in. So I'm sorry, um, but let's uh, let's go to our guests. So uh, Doug and Randall, welcome to the show. Hello. Um, Hi there. Let's uh, let's go first to to Doug. Why don't you uh, start us off with when did this project start for you? When did it start for me? Um, no, I think I had been thinking about making some sort of movie set in the game design world for a long, long, long time. And then I, I didn't really know what that movie would be. And then I saw the uh, short film Kane's Arcade, which is that wonderful short film about wonderful. a kid who makes an arcade out of cardboard. Everybody should definitely check that out. That's so cute. Yeah, and so and I knew the filmmaker behind that, and and I just thought he did an amazing, amazing job. And then I thought, oh, I could make a movie about the designers because there wasn't there wasn't at the time, and I still don't think there's really not a lot out there, and certainly no video about game designers. And that's when I just sort of got the idea. I got in touch with Alan Moon, and and then um, he connected me with some people. I ended up going to I think Toy Fair in New York. I think it was twenty. 20- 13 maybe was the first one I went to and that was just sort of the beginning of a journey because um, I never met I, I didn't know what it was going to what the, the subject matter exactly would be I remember I interviewed you guys up at the gathering um, yeah. I interviewed all sorts of people looking for that looking for my Neo looking for my my one that someone that whose story I thought would be worth telling over you know an 80 or 90 minute movie and that was uh, we'll, we will talk more about that Maybe you can introduce Randall, and then we come back to this. Yeah, uh, Randall, how are you doing tonight? Um, I guess my first question is, how have your uh, feelings about game design really changed since you started on this uh, journey with Douglas? Well, I mean, I found out that you know I don't really know a whole lot about it, and there are a lot of people that I met along the way who, you know, had this sort of wealth of insight into, they had names for all these different, you know, patterns of play and mechanics, and so, I mean, I learned a lot. Um, yeah, I, at one point in the film, you know, I had this psychological transition from, you know, being a guy that designed a game 
you know, to considering myself a game designer. But, I mean, I consider myself a game designer with a lowercase g and a lowercase d compared to some of the people that I've met. Right. Yeah, Randall and I, I invited him to Origins. I was like, Randall, you know, you've got this game, whatever, and I'm still trying to sort of figure out who the subject is going to be of the documentary or how it's going to take shape. And I said, you should come to Origins, and he wasn't available to go to Origins. And then he got in touch and said, okay, I'm ready to go. I don't remember. How did the Gen Con trip come about, Randall? Well, exactly? I couldn't go to Origins because he told me a week before it was happening. And I had some stuff to do that weekend. Yeah. So he said, oh, this is other one, you know, but it's a little big, you know, and you, maybe you shouldn't go. And I was like, what is the next? I'm going to the next one. I don't care where it is. You know, and then I found out it's this big 40,000-person extravaganza. No, no, 70,000 people, I think, are coming. Is that right, guys? It is now, yeah. It is, yeah. That year, yeah, it might have been it might have been less, but a little less, but yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, so I mean, I couldn't go to Origin, so I was like, well, what's next? Let's just do this one. Uh. Right, and and at, at Gen Con, I would say I spent about fifty percent of my time with Randall as he's trying to pitch his game and get it done, and the other fifty percent of the time, I was meeting other people, I was interviewing that I I had I had connected with before, and afterwards. I went down and hung out with um, Richard Launius down outside of Atlanta, and I, I stayed with him for like a couple days because I still didn't know sort of how the film was going to take shape. And then when I got back to New York and I got back into the editing room, I couldn't take my eyes off Randall because his story, first of all, he was, he was that proverbial fish out of water. He really... You know, he really had no idea what he was doing, and, and there was something about that that is very attractive just in terms of drama and telling a story. And Randall was also very candid about his struggles with bipolar disorder. And for me, that was an extra layer and something that would, that would, that was a story that he wanted to tell. And I thought, I'm really on board with this. This sounds really intriguing that he's so open with this and wants to talk about it. Interesting. Let's let's actually talk about that right now. I'm just going to jump over to Randall. I was supposed to ask you a question, Doug, but you kind of answered a whole bunch there. Uh, so, in 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 light of the diagnosis that you have, Randall, do you find that that has helped you, hindered you, in terms of game design? Is it a blessing and a curse at the same time? I've heard it being both. So, I'd like to have a first-hand impression from you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, bipolar. I think it's you know, a lot of people know what it is now, whereas, you know, years ago, you know, it was sort of manic depression and it was, you know, it had this sort of stigma. I think it still does. Um, you know, you, you, it's, uh, you know, touched with the heavenly fire. It's the creativity. You know, you look back through history, you can put your finger on all sorts of people who are either overt or sublimated about, you know, sort of being, you know, bipolar or manic depressive. So... Yes, you know, when I'm jam I can stay up for a long time and I can work really hard, really fast over extended periods of time before I shut down. So it has helped a lot in creativity and especially in designing board games and, and bringing board games to, you know, those crazy sort of exciting uh, conventions where you know, you're on and you're, you're buzzing for, for four days. Um, so, yeah, I think it's... Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine being any other way. 
Um, some people call it a disorder. Um, I try not to think about it that way. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to jump back to Doug, uh, kind of going through. Um, you not only, like you mentioned, uh, followed Randall, um, but you got to interview and some of the fantastic uh, extra features that are included with the film uh, are, you know, these private interviews with some prolific uh, designers. And we have a question from the audience um, that I would love for you to kind of answer. Did you notice uh, this? This question is from Tony uh, Chaikin. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Um, but do you know, from your perspective, Doug? Uh, do you notice game designers go through their day and see game ideas from their everyday life? Um, and, you know, tell us a little bit about what you heard from interacting with a variety of designers. Oh, my goodness. Um, let me show the back of the DVD case, if I could, because I think that gives, that shows some of the folks that we got to interview. Um, we got to interview, like, Reiner Knizia, yeah. Alan Moon, um, I did interview Richard Lanius, but he didn't yep. make the, the special features. There were a lot of there were people I didn't get that didn't make it. Um, Steve Richard Jackson. Barton, Steve Jackson, yeah, he was one of my first big sort of um, sort of little featurettes because we did we did something with him at Origins. And um, I'm just trying to think of you know their their game ideas, especially I think I learned this a lot from Steve Jackson. Is their game ideas come from everywhere, but they come from literature, they come from movies, they come from just, you know, being immersed in different types of storytelling. And so game design is just another type of storytelling. And sometimes it'll be sort of a theme or it might be a mechanic or somehow the idea will just come. And, and Steve Jackson said a lot of, I mean, they, all the people I interviewed said a lot of really great things, but it's like any sort of creative act. You get this idea and you write it down and then you write it down, and you sort of brainstorm ideas and see how they come together. Um, the thing I've learned about game design, not being a game designer, but just by interviewing and talking with game designers, is how alive game design is. Um, you know, filmmaking is a very collaborative process, and you bring a bunch of people together. Are we, uh, are we still live? Let's hope so, because I got a yeah, weird picture good. on my screen. Oh, you're <laughs> um, good. You're good. Keep yeah, going. I'm still going. So you bring a bunch of people together for filmmaking, but in, in game design, you really don't know what's going on with the game until it hits the table. And it literally might be like, we'll play two turns, and then the designer's like, okay, I know what I need to do to fix it. But the game doesn't really get a, the term developed. It doesn't get made unless it, it becomes a living organism really working with people. I don't know, you know, Alan, he, he even says Ticket to Ride was a rarity for him and that the game was, you know, 85, 95% complete when he put it from his brain down into the design. But most of the time, and Alan said this, it's like you play it, you revise it, you play it, you revise it, and that's that's sort of how game design comes about. It's just a slightly longer-winded um uh, answer to the question, but yeah, I, I did notice, you know, people are inspired by sort of the the genres and the themes and the ideas that that, that they love. Like, um, you know, if you look at Elfenland and if you look at um, Mush, even, or one of Alan's older games, or you look at um, his train games, he tends to come back to similar ideas and themes in his games um, all the time. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, I think we've lost John Gilmore. That actually might have caused that weird picture that you saw. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully he'll be back. Uh, John, if you're watching, come on back. We like you. Um, okay, so... So you hear about the experiences from other designers' perspectives. You hear about what they're drawing from uh, when you talk to them. Randall, what made you want to make a game about the most awful experience known to like humankind in terms of gridlock? What what well, made that a thing? Sure, sure. I mean, I, I talk about it a little bit in the film, but it's um, it was just driving, you know every week for six or nine hours a weekend and every day for a couple hours and I just started to observe things and um, I started to write things down like um, making a book um, I thought it should be a book, a little bathroom book you sit on the john and you read a page, it's got a funny illustration uh -huh, and you go to the next one but then I don't know, I just I had a sabbatical from University of Connecticut and you know, I had a bunch of time and I was thinking Maybe this should be a game so I spent my sabbatical essentially building a game about driving in traffic. And um, I mean, I can certainly speak to making a game about my personal experience. I mean, it's, it is my philosophy of the road. That's the game that you play when you play Turnpike. You know, it's, it's nasty, it's, it's petty, it's um, passive-aggressive. I got another game that I've been working on. Um, I'll probably bring to BGG. It's a game about bipolar, you know. So... I mean, I want to make games that, you know, come from my personal experience. Um, I think there's a lot of designers that can do whatever they want. You know, they can design games about outer space or, like, you know, some fantasy setting. But um, I don't think that's something that, that, that I, I can do in that way. I, I don't know. Maybe I can. I like your fantasy, fantasy baseball game. I think that's pretty <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, like, that's beautiful. I saw this great funny thing on, like, Facebook the other day about, like, it being Dungeons and Dragons for people that can't play baseball. That's my Dungeons favorite meme. For Daryl. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, is fantasy, fantasy baseball the next great American game? Well, you know, it might be. You know, because people love fantasy, fa you know, baseball. So maybe a game about fantasy baseball, you know, could take the world by storm. I don't know. Well, Daryl's Canadian, so it would be the next great Canadian game. But that's besides the point. Uh, Randall, hey, if you want to... Canada is in America. Just let's make that clear. Canada is in America. It is in North America, yes. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, um, from your perspective, having the having bipolar, uh, being bipolar, um, do you think that games can help us learn more about that, like learning about it, or helping people with bipolar dealing to deal with um, the consequences or the issues that they arrive at everyday life. My wife's a therapist, so and I'm a psychologist, so I just wondered what you think about using games in a therapeutic milieu. Well, you, if your wife's a therapist, she'd probably like the talk listen game that um, we just produced a second edition of. You know, it's about sort of getting people to talk, and it's based upon group therapy. Mm -hmm. So it's in the film. Um, but the bipolar game that I'm working on is actually, you know, it's inspired by, you know, Mary Flanagan's work at Dartmouth, where she's making these sort of socially conscious games right. where um, they're trying to sort of create behavioral norms or establish behavioral norms and communicate information. So <clears throat> in the bipolar game, your job is to keep, it's a collaborative game where you try to keep one person from going off the rails. So everyone's job is to keep that person normal, you know, using basically five 
indexes. You know, one's good food, one is sleep, one's medication, one's right. exercise, and the other one's talk therapy. So right. with all these five indexes, everyone's sort of trying to sort of keep someone from going too high or too low. Sure, right, so keep, keep balance. Keep, yeah, keep them in balance. That's like Draxel, that's like Reiner Nitzia's Draxelot. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, and there's a lot of games that function in those ways, so um, I guess I need to find more of them and play them, but, yeah, it's exciting, I think, to try and make a game. Like, Turnpike is not about driving well. Um, it's about driving, like, a total a-hole. Um, but I think right. there's a place for that, too. For sure, for sure. Uh, I'm going to follow up, actually, with Randall as well. Uh, talking about Turnpike, um, I, re I really remember and quite enjoyed uh, when you started experimenting with the theme. And uh, it came up uh, through a conversation I, I vividly remember with Frank uh, DiLorenzo from R&R Games, who we, we love Frank and think he's quite blunt and quite uh, uh, brutally honest sometimes. And you explored a variety of ideas of um, how to tweak or adjust or create, in essence, another game out of your game. And uh, I was curious, um, from that experience... Would you um, would you advise people, um, you know, to hold theme looser or to come up with multiple themes or what would your advice in general be when it comes to designing games and themes specifically? Sure. Well, I mean, I can speak only to my, you know, personal experience. Like, yeah. I did, I did not want to change the theme of Turnpike at all, um, but at some point, you know, I'm a creative guy. I get curious. You know, I'm, you know, I. I reserve the right to dis, you know, to disagree with myself, and um, so when I started developing the Road Mage game, um, I sent you know the idea to a, one of my past students who's an illustrator. I said, "Look, I need I'm at this toy fair and I need like an illustration of this wizards on the road," and he did it overnight and he sent this thing back to me. You know, that's what I shared with Frank that day was this illustration yep. that I had done on the fly, um, and so. It opened up the game by thinking about it in those terms. The game changed. Now I've gone back and I'm developing Turnpike. Cool. Okay, because my my idea is that I need to get the the mechanic worked out in the simplest possible way. Gotcha. And but there is so much in terms of rules, and I you know there's PowerPoints in Road Mage where you would like when you roll the dice, you have these PowerPoints that you can save up, and you have cast spells with them. But that's sure. really another level of play. Yep. So yes, I encourage. I mean, I encourage all forms of mutation, um, because you know they um, they can take you places. A different idea, a different way of looking at it, a different lens, can lead you to something else. And I think it's been my experience. I mean, I made pandas on the river. Right. Uh, that's pandas so funny. It's so funny you just mentioned that. I was just going to segue to that. That's hilarious. No, I, I made it. You make pandas on the river as well, Daryl. I did. I was just I was just gonna use that as a segment. This is wonderful. I, go I'm ahead. Sure, I I want to see Randall. I, I gotta see Panda on the River when you're at. Uh, you PGD. know, you know. I tried I tried a pandas on the river game too, just for awesome. fun. Awesome. This is perfect. This I was is, like, I have to try this for this Frank. Is, this I, is I awesome. Never get it to work, but. So yeah, I actually I designed a pandas on the river and I pitched it to Frank. Okay. Oh, just the chuckle alone. And I was going to ask, what creative uh, expressions or interactions have you had, uh, Doug, with the film in different applications? Because I'm sure your original intent wasn't to give people pitch material, 
But I'm sure now you've, you've seen a variety of people using your film in different ways, uh, teaching or, or, or uh, learning things yeah. or things like that. So I want to go there, but I also want to hear about your, your attempt. And, My attempt uh, at game design? Yeah, we got to go there too. So. Well, well, one thing was funny. Was, what is that? Unicorn game. I, say that again, Randall. Tell me about your unicorn game. What you? I don't have a unicorn game. You, you, yeah, you made a unicorn game, dude. Don't be no, shy about it either. I never made a unicorn game, but good try. That's yeah, you made Randall. a gladiator game. I did work on the gladiator game. Sen, you, you kind of rolled your eyes at it when I showed it to you. No, 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 I did not roll my eyes at anything. <laughs> I never roll my like, no, positive encouragement. No, the only thing I roll my eyes at is my students. Oh, okay. That's all. That's no, only thing I roll my yeah, eyes no, at. I thought I got inspired to try. I was watching my, I, you know, when you when you spend, you know, all this time with game designers and you're interviewing them and things, and I got inspired to try a couple things. So I tried, you know, I worked, tried to work on that Gladiator game. Um, and, I, you know, it was funny. It was like, oh, I'm so excited. And I wrote down all this stuff, and I made an arena, and I got the figures and everything. And I literally tried to play the first move, I was like, this game doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't work. And I didn't, you know, I didn't really want to spend the next, I, I tweaked it here and there, but, you know, I'm a filmmaker. That's what I've been doing for 20, 30 years or whatever, so I know how to make movies. And if I wanted to be a game designer, I would have to put in those kind of hours. And I thought, you know, you know, trying to master another creative discipline at this point it would be fun, but it would just be a tremendous number of hours and a tremendous number of games that would eventually, they'd almost all be tossed out the window. And so, you know, that was that was sort of a, not a major revelation, just a minor one. But I also tried Pandas on the River because many years ago, a friend and I had this idea of a river race game that had gems on it. It was going to be called Canoe Canoe. Um, and we only, we didn't get very far on it. And then Niagara came out. Um, which and and so I thought and then when 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 Randall mentioned pandas on the river and stuff and and whatever I was like oh I should try that idea of a river race game with nice. gems and collecting gems and things and call it pandas on the river it's beautiful I got, I got a little further but what about yours Daryl I, I got gems on a river man I you got you. gems how could you not have gems on the river right how could you not so no I'll I'll show you it at BGG. Well, actually, maybe we can combine our, our so, I assume I assume Frank didn't take your game if you're telling well, us about it. Well, he he actually expressed interest, but um, <laughs> he he didn't want to take it. Uh, but he loved that I pitched something that had pandas because he's so let me get he adores pandas. Well, I just gotta say. You both are talking about stealing my game idea. Yeah, exactly. No, we're not your idea. We're all stealing the name. Just the name. But I'll, I'll be honest. Mine has evolved away from pandas on a river now. Yeah, uh, mine, mine can always be called, this game canoe, called canoe. fantasy fantasy football. <laughs> yeah, fantasy fantasy football, man. It's totally awesome. It 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 is awesome, and it's a it's yeah, actually yeah. another. Uh, a package purchase on Fancy Fancy Baseball. If you'd like to add to your purchase in a week, <laughs> yeah. so you Sen, Sen, did, you, did you ever see send talk listen? No, but I want to now. This is Randall's other game, but you're not going to be at BGG. No, I am not. Oh come on! Yeah, I Why have not? to. I have to teach. I have this thing called students that I have to like educate. I have to teach. I'm teaching Monday night. Randall's teaching. You know, Randall's. A yeah, I know who he is. Yeah. And we're both managing to get down there. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I just you grind. 
There it is. So There's anyway, the box. But talk, listen. If if you watch the movie, Sen, which I know you haven't yet, but you will I, soon. I, yes, I've watched parts of it. Yeah, when, when you watch the end of it, um, you'll see Randall talk about his game, cool. Talk Listen, which has a lot to do with bipolar group therapy. Yeah. Awesome. Which is why, I, why I bring it up. And yeah, and that's perfect. These, these three dice are amazing, and I would love, or Randall would probably love to show it to you and talk to you about it. Yeah, well, 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 yeah, definitely. I'll, we'll, I'll we'll have to do that sometime. I'll sit and listen and then, and then pass it on. <laughs> and, my wife, and my wife's a, a marriage and family therapist, so yeah. oh, okay. I can pass that on. Yeah, I think that like I love tools like that for you know therapy, so it's cool. Um, let's uh, oh, fantasy fantasy pandas. Oh, Dave Tomei is saying you should make a game called Fantasy Fantasy Pandas. I'll, I'll, I'll co-design that with with David after we finish our barbecue game. All right. Okay, so getting back to game design, um, do you have Randall any? Any any tips on how to on how you got out of your comfort zone, in terms of or got into a different zone, from knowing nothing to knowing something to now knowing more than you did before, in terms of game design, in terms of uh, picking different themes, what is what has helped you along the way, more than anything you think? Yeah, let me think about that one. Um... I guess I'd have to say I'd recommend, you know, to people who are listening, you know, um, to be in a movie, to be the subject of a documentary, if you can. I mean, it's not for everybody. It's but easy. I think Everyone can do it. Oh, my. It really worked. It worked for me. And then I had Doug, um, who was didn't believe in my game, so and he was constantly harassing me all the time. And he put me in situations where he knew I would fail. Um, so I feel like, you know, definitely get yourself in situations where you have somebody who's pushing you to fail a lot. And then, you know, the rule of design is, right, fail faster and more often. Yes. Yeah. So, but um, Or fail but, forward, I think we like using that word. Forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that pressure cooker, I guess exigency, my, um, my composition teacher of my undergraduate education, um, Henry Bidham, told me that there is no substitute for exigency. That's okay? probably true. Having to do something, and I would have to like create prototypes, and I would bring them, and I would give them away, and I would wait to hear them. People tell me that they can't use my game, but it's really good, and they like it. <laughs> actually, actually I, I do. I do want to jump in here because when we went to the UK Games Expo and screened the film, and then we had a little booth, and we did some um, testing of the game. Randall had made some major changes to the game. There have been sort of problems that had been, um, you know, people mentioned in the movie, and then certainly as we were going around and pitching it and things like that. Um, and pretty much they had all been addressed, and it actually found a really strong group of people who enjoyed it. And they would like come to the table, and they'd be waiting. You know that that sort of scene that you really want if you're if you're pitching a new game. Um, people would come to the table. They'd be like, "I heard a lot about this game. I want to try it out." That sort of thing. So that was actually a really exciting time. And for me, that meant that Turnpike as a game had really turned some major major corner in terms of um, its development. So Thanks, we'll be Doug. bringing it down to BGG when we're screening the movie at BGG. Um, I think Friday, November 20th at 2, 
And so we'll be screening the movie on Friday, at November 20th at BGG, but Randall will also have some copies of the game with him, and so he'll be able to do some more playtesting and showing it around and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Doug, because at, at the UK Games Expo, this thing, people were, were, were trying to play it. They were referring each other. Hey, I heard about this game. Somebody said I have to come play it. I mean, that's a totally different experience than what I had when I had, you know, um, James Matthey, you know, in my face telling me I was a loser, um, you know, in the in Gen Con to come back to actually have people really like it. And I had different, um, you know, game publishers, you know, coming up to me and saying, well, you really ought to kickstart this. I can help you with it. We had a nice game on Saturday night with some insider guys, you know, and they had a really tough, rough and tumble, trash-talking good time with the game. These guys have been playing games for years, just ripped into this game, and they played it like it should be played. Okay, it's not a strategy game. It's a game to mess with your friends and have a good time, and uh, you know, uh, have a good. I mean, I'm making right now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I've got a print and play that I'm working on, and I'm going to bring some of these to the BGG. You know, and so I'm going to cut out some of these things because these are kind of a pain in the ass. But um, the, the print and play is going out. You know, I redesigned the cards. You know, so here's the card. Um, Buzzkill before, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then here's the card, Buzzkill now. Okay? So, I mean, I continually work and refine this stuff, so I think the mechanic has improved quite a bit, and I'm bumping up the production value of, and getting, I'm going to bring out 20 of them, I think. And if, you know, if, if somebody wants one for, you know, whatever, $15 or something like that, rather than downloading it and cutting it out themselves, they can have one. Um, or not, I think the main, the, the main thing we saw, one of the main criticisms in the film was the game was just taking way too long. And when when Turnpike went through its road, road Mage iteration, Randall was able to find some mechanics, and the game can play between 15 and 30 minutes. It's like, oh, I can have this fun experience with people. Because um, there were always things that I really liked about the game, no matter what Randall says I said about the game. No, you hated it. Yeah. There were, no, there were things that I've always really liked about the game. I liked the fact that you were making a puzzle for the person who was going after you. In other words, you were rearranging the cars on the road to create a puzzle for the next person, and then they have to puzzle the way, their way out of it and then create a, a log jam for the person coming after them. And so I always liked that element a lot, but again, the game was just taking too long for what it was, and Randall seems to have, when we got to the UK Games Expo just last year, um, he seems to have cracked that and worked out you know, how to make the game play real fast. Hmm. Interesting. I want to ask you, actually, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play therapist for you guys a bit. Um, Douglas, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what is the biggest change that you've seen in Randall since the movie? As a designer, as a person, everything. What do you think? The biggest change? Well, he did. I mean, this was this was a worry for more as a filmmaker than anything else. Um, in the, I'm getting you know two thirds of the way from the movie through the movie, and Randall is a very very stubborn human being, um, and so. But that's good, you know, it works well for the movie, it's telling a certain story, and he's like, I'm not going to change my game, I'm not going to change my game, and then I'm thinking, if he doesn't actually take some of this advice, we don't have a movie. And it was killing me also, because I'm, I'm on the other side of the camera, 
thinking, these people are giving you great advice about things you can do with the theme for the game or different types of mechanics. And so finally, you know, in the movie, he makes that change. And so that was, that was important to me personally. And, you know, I think one of the things I wanted to do with the movie is sort of make it a primer on, on game design, but in a narrative form. And so, I, you know, Mike, um, Mike Gray, who was at Hasbro and now has done all sorts of stuff, but I consider him sort of the Yoda of the piece. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way to describe him. He is a Yoda. Yeah, and there's that scene with Randall where we went down to Mike's little basement, just wall-to-wall games all over, and Mike says to Randall, you have to listen, right? That's sort of the message of the movie. You have to listen, and you have to figure out what the feedback is telling you, and you have to refine your game. And Randall, and, and I also have to say, Making the movie with Randall was a true collaboration because Randall and I would talk about shot. We we really worked together on the movie. And one of the scenes, first of all, I love the Mike Gray scene when Randall showed you. Hold on, I was going to butt in here, Doug. Hold on. Mike Gray said to listen, and then he said, but I don't listen very well. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I love he said, that. But then he said, but it, but when I do listen, my games have gotten better. So, Randall, I know the dialogue yeah. of the movie probably even a little better than you do because I've heard it a few <laughs> more times. Um, so he said, when I do listen, my games get better. So from from after that scene with Mike, we hadn't done, you know, Randall and I often did like, okay, what's Randall's reaction to whatever's just happened, and we do things to camera. But we hadn't done anything like that, and so Randall recorded it himself, his reaction to Mike and what Mike said, and he's looking straight at the camera, and he's saying, basically, I'm not going to listen, which is a wonderful moment. But again, it was a collaboration because it was something, it was footage that Randall shot and did and knew, suspected it would be good for the movie. But fortunately, Randall did eventually listen. And when he first told me about the road mage idea, I thought he was bullshitting me. (laughs) Know that, Randall? You said, oh, yeah, I'm going to do road mage. I'm like, no, you're never going to change your theme. You're never going to work up, you know, take some of these suggestions. But he really did. And so that was, that was, I think. I'm still doing road mage. He's still doing it. Randall, I wanted to ask you, in terms of being stubborn, how has that (laughs) helped you and how has that hindered you? As a game well, designer. Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> you have to have a certain amount of ego strength to be a designer um, because, you know, you present materials to clients. You know, I've worked for the Guggenheim. I've worked for major universities, corporations, multinationals. And you put ideas out there, and then they, you know, like some of them. They want to rearrange them. You can't get too attached to them. So you have to have a bit of ego strength. But you also have to be able to assert yourself and not get pushed around and when I'm designing I'm pretty, I, pretty a lot more flexible somebody's paying me but for this project it's my project you know and you know there's a point with Mike Gray where he talks about being an artist versus being a designer you know artists you know you can make your own game you don't have to listen to anybody but um, designers you know should listen so I think that being stubborn is most part of my character, and it's essential. It's essential to anybody who has an idea they believe in, of course. But it's also the same essential characteristic of a fanatic, and um, uh, uh, you know, and and people who um, are delusional. So, um, I'd say uh, when I'm um, not stubborn, 
Sure, you can find a lot of solutions a lot faster. Sometimes the solutions aren't as as um, I want to say this well. I don't think I have words that can describe it. I don't want to sort of say something bad about compromise because I believe in it, and I think I did in a lot of ways, and I listened. But um, I think you got to stick to it. If I was going to say anything to a game designer out there, it's like if you've got an idea, you know, don't let a couple of cycles of the game industry get in your way. Don't let a couple of years of people like, you know, saying you should do something uh, let you destroy your own idea and not do it. You know, it might take you two or three years. I worked on Turfbike for eight years. It's still not published. Will it get published? Yeah, it's going to get published if I have to publish it myself. Um, anyway, Mayfair is still out there. There's a still vague maybe from Mayfair. Who knows? I mean, I wait, love those wait, guys. I, I do wanna, well, one story I did want to tell is that, that we can finally tell this is that AEG wanted to package the movie and the game together. And we talked with them. It was over a year, wasn't it, Randall? And it just never came to fruition. And and I just I was like, we've got to have faith that this deal is going to come through. It'll be great for the game. It'll be great for the movie. And then it just for various inner political workings of AEG, because we had a guy who really wanted to do that. Um, it just didn't happen. And so I was I, I was not crushed because you know the movie's still out there and and what have you. But having it sort of Published by AG would have been a, would have been a great a great thing, um, but as Randall points out, you know Mayfair is still interested and they might want to do either Turnpike. I don't did, did they mention a bundle? You said Randall. It came it came up, but I mean, you know, yeah, I mean everybody until people decide and they come forward, it's all sort of nebulous. Yeah. Um, right. No, that's it's not like they had a contract in their bag and they just handed it to me. I hear that happens. <laughs> it does. It definitely happens, and Frank is one of the people who will do that. He did it with attraction. I yeah, I can attest to uh, Frank doing that because he's done it with me. Yeah, which I, which was really funny because in the documentary, I love the dialogue about no one's walking around with a contract, and uh, and then I I believe that, and then I experience the opposite. But yeah. I would I would say that it's not normative that. Uh, that uh, it is, it is a rarity, and like like Randall's saying, you know, many many games take many years uh, to really find the right home. So, um, and many of our viewers know that because um, we have a really great mix of experienced and new designers that are our regular viewers, and so some of them have been working years on maybe their first design. Or they're new and they're just you know early in the process. So I mean, I I think to some degree this documentary is a perfect fit for our audience because they, they're kind of anywhere along the spectrum of, of uh, Randall's story and also then the people that you interact with along the way uh, of the journey. So um, I'm curious, Doug, uh, pointing back again to your experience of being behind the camera, seeing things, um, what advice um, would you offer? Because I was kind of hoping to see like an extra feature of like Doug's advice. And I was, I, my, my you know, advice. where you where you couldn't, you were you know asking all these other es experts, but now you're an expert. You were there as well, gleaning from a variety of people. And I'm curious, what advice would you give new designers so that they could have a positive uh, experience going through the pitching process and developing and inventing a game? Well, 
I mean, and and this this may seem like a shameless plug, but and it, and it will be, but it's also what I believe sort of to be the truth. Because one of the things, the reason for making this project, one of them, was to help people with game design, right? I, I didn't track down Knizia, Jackson, Leacock, Richard Garfield, Alan Moon, Antoine Bowser, Eric Lang, um, Mary Flanagan. I didn't track these people down, you know, just because I'm a weird stalker guy. I tracked them down because I wanted to communicate what it was to be a game designer and what could help people design games. So I think that the advice that I have um, is is sort of embedded in the questions that I ask these particular designers. And certainly by the end of my journey, and I think um, uh, Richard Garfield was one of the last people that I interviewed, I sort of had filtered a tremendous amount of information from talking to designers into the questions and the types of questions that I would ask. And therefore the answers that you get from these guys who really know what they're talking about is, is what I wanted to get at, whether it's listening really well, whether it's the fact that you can't hold any idea precious, you have to just keep designing, um, working on it, throwing it out, trying it again. Um, it's just all of that, all of their sort of collective experience is like two hours of extras on the DVD and I think over three or four hours of extras um, on and that's, the just, that's just what's yeah. on there. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even get in the in the movie all my footage. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that was I got, the thing. I got my old footage. I, I had to, you know, I had to at some point say, you know, my main movie is about Randall and Randall's journey, and that's sort of the the narrative that I want to tell. And Randall's journey is about game design, and it is about approaching publishers and how to pitch games and that sort of thing. And so, and that was sort of someone new coming into the industry. And then the extra features were these, all these really experienced people. And I really wanted to dig into their ideas about game design, talking about specific games of theirs or, or maybe more general ideas about, you know, their, their strategies to design games. Absolutely. Uh, bouncing back down to Randall, I mean, you've, You've had this experience. I'm, I'm curious on, on two fronts. One, uh, you've already shared that you're working on a game with Bipolar. I'm curious, do you feel a sense of, like, you have to live into this persona that the, the film has made? Um, and, and on that, can you leverage that? Is there something to be said about uh, using this experience for future design and, and uh, you know, developing of games in the future? Can you repeat the second part of that question? Yeah, just like, do you see this as an opportunity to leverage your experience, uh, and what you know, what 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 can you leverage from your experience? Okay, so first of all, the persona in the film is me, and I walk around in it, yeah. and um, you know, at times it's more elevated because I'm bipolar and I get sure. pretty manic, and other times it's on the other end of the spectrum. So, yeah, I think there's, I mean, that's that's just me. Um, and uh, in terms of leveraging it, I, don't, I think that, you know, to think about the film and the game separately, the film wouldn't be, the game wouldn't be in the place that it is without the film because it pushed me to keep making it better. And I got some really great feedback and I incorporated it. Um, I'm, in the, I'm in it for publishing my game. So if I can continue to sort of like, you know, go to screenings and things like that and share it with more people 
like I want to get a wider sort of do some blind taste uh, testing of this thing and so so yeah I think it's there's a symbiosis with Doug and you know for whatever I mean I think we got we got something going I, I mean I, do, I do we need some marriage counseling though Randall or are we okay at this point I think you're crazy but I think you know <laughs> it takes one and no one so I mean there's a certain relationship that's developed through this process which is kind of fun I'm looking forward to seeing Doug again in BGG and wandering around and meeting some new people so yeah we'll have fun we'll have fun yeah yeah it's I'm really not sure if I answered the question but oh, that's great sure. that's, that's great uh, Randall, I wanted to know, uh, and people who are watching the stream actually want to know, what modern board games are your favorite board games, uh, if you play them at all? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I like, um, well, I have to harken back, you know, Nuke War, man. I, I mean, I, it's, a, it's an old one, but um, I like Nuke War. I, uh, I play a lot of Settlers because I hang out with a lot of non-gamers. And um, I uh, I can lay down um, some family business. So you know, I, it's a funny thing. Um, I need to play more games. I want to play more games. Um, it's hard to to make the time. So yeah, I, I think I just sort of fall back on my favorites. Um, Yeah, I mean, nuke wars like nuclear wars like from sixties, right? So it's quite. It's old. one of my first games I played. Yeah, growing up, you know. You yeah, get I think nuclear wars is, is fantastic, and Rick Loomis is is a rock star. I think. Yeah, yeah um, I met him. I think it's one of the things conferences we went to. What were you so, gonna say? No, I wanted to ask uh, Douglas uh, when you were asking the questions that you asked to all the other designers on the. Um, special features and whatnot. Was there anything that people wouldn't answer? Uh, one thing, and you must know this, is I find the tabletop community is a really open one and pretty much, I, I don't think, you know, so no, I don't really, I don't think there was ever, people are very supportive, people want to tell their stories and, and certainly the people I met with were very very accommodating. I mean, Richard Garfield, I only got like about 20 minutes with him, but it was like one of some of the best 20 minutes I got. You know, I just, I was, um, no. So so the answer to that question is no. Maybe, maybe to flip that question a bit, were you surprised by some of the reactions, and I especially think of James. I mean, we know... James, James, but we, but man, that reaction! I gotta say, when I first saw that, I was like, "What?" And then, I mean, any anyone, if you just want to see like a, a very hot-tempered response from James, you can you can see James in all his glory. That's just who he is, and he was. Yeah, no, I had no idea that was going to happen. Um, in fact, I, I was working with a guy, Gary Dixon, who was like, we got to see James. We've got to get Randall and James together or whatever, and then we did, and that was that sort of explosion was the result, and it was very... It it was wonderful. I thought it was funny, and 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 Randall certainly didn't take offense because I don't think you did, did you? I thought it was funny. You know, yeah, this exactly. going off on me. You know, that was all him. You know, and, I brought my game know, there. It's the next great assault about game. himself as well. You know, he can't see it. That's his own problem. He's he's a very assertive person. Yeah, he's I a, like him. I mean, I had a good time. Yeah, absolutely. He's a bulldog. We like it. Yeah. He's quite fun. 
Uh, Daryl, you have any other questions? Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're running out of time, actually. So I'm going to do uh, one of our last questions, then it's going to bounce back to Sen. Uh, so I'm going to actually bounce this to Randall first. Um, just, to, you know, we mentioned already kind of who our audience typically is. Um, and for anyone who hasn't seen the film, they might not know the details of your journey. But I'm curious, since the film, um, what what things have you learned along the way that you would recommend to new designers or old designers uh, on how to be a better designer? My advice to how to be a better designer? Yeah. I would say choose your critics. I mean, you've got flesh, to choose... Flesh that out. Flesh that out for me. Well, I mean, that's the sort of classic one that I learned as a designer years ago. You've got to decide who to listen to. And, of course, the less you know, the harder that is. But, you know, when you're going out to, the, you know, to pitch a game... You know, and some person that you know isn't necessarily that astute about games tells you that they think the theme is boring or you should do this. You don't listen to them, do you? No. You have certain people that you listen to. So I, knowing who to listen to is one. And, of course, you know, starting up, I didn't really know really who to listen to. Maybe I don't anymore. Um, I would say be stubborn. Um, stick to your guns. And if you have an idea, keep pushing it. Mutate mercilessly. You know, like, change the idea, of course, but, like, keep keep developing your... If your core idea is, is something that's essential to you, keep developing it. It doesn't mean you can't develop, you know, concurrent patterns. Um, let's see. Um, please and thank you. Follow up. Um, send emails afterwards thanking people for their time. Um, I would say find people who um, who believe in you. And um, and work with them. Like even though Doug didn't believe in my game, I feel like Doug sort of believed in me. Yeah. Anyway. Um, they, what I might add to that is uh, when I was in England, I was part of a. I joined. I was hanging out with a playtest group, um, and it was led by two guys, uh, Matt Dunstan and uh, Brett Gilbert, the guys who, de who designed Elysium. Yes. And I just learned a lot. I mean. I think the playtest group, if I had advice for designers, the playtest group is the most important thing, right? You're, design, you're home alone, you're working on a game, you've got to bring it to the table, you have to get a smart group of other designers to play your game for, it doesn't matter if they're playing your game for five minutes or 50 minutes, so you can get the feedback, filter it, figure out what's really, what people are really saying and what you might want to try for the next iteration, then you sit and you play their games, and you can see what they're working on. You can give them feedback. So I think the playtest group is probably the most important part of the process. I know Reiner has his own playtest group, I, and all the designers that I know pretty much have groups of people. You know, when Antoine Bauzum, I'm on his uh, Facebook feed, he's like, yeah, I'm going to do a playtest with Ludovic tonight or someone else or Piero, and it might not be a game that they're working on together, but they're always playing their prototypes together. Yeah. Okay, last questions, because we are almost out of time. So, uh, quickly, Doug, uh, is there going to be a follow-up to this, or what is your next film project that's game-related, do you think? Oh, that's game-related. Because <laughs> um, I'm working on an adaptation of a medieval play called The Second Shepherd's Play. That's Interesting, in post but not game-related. <laughs> well, no, but it's people dressed up in medieval costumes. So if you ever play D&D, you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, I, I can kind of see where that comes from. Um, I don't, you know, I would love... If I would love Randall's dream to come true. I would love Hasbro to pick up 
you know, Turnpike. And then I have a second movie that I would make with him if he would have me along for that particular ride. Uh, so I don't know, you know, if that's going to happen. I'd like to do a few more follow-up interviews with people because I, uh, Eric Lang and Matt Leacock, they're coming to the screening down at BGG, or at least I know Matt is. Hopefully Eric will too. Um, and I'd like to do a follow-up interview with them because they were just they were just wonderful. So um, I should also let people know uh, if they're still with us. Uh, TabletopMovie.com is where you can get the digital download of the film. Um, and you can also watch the trailer at tabletopmovie.com. So again, I don't know what's next for me. My my things tend to I tend to jump from different types of projects, but I would consider doing something more in the game design world if something uh, pops out at me. Short Asian Canadian game designers. It's a thing. It's a, it definitely is a thing. Me and Chris. <laughs> anyway, and last question to Randall. Uh, the audience actually wanted to know is doing a game by about pop you know potentially um, sensitive subjects like bipolar disorder um, etc etc could that lead to backlash and is society so offended so concerned with offending people and is that a reason to actually make the game what do you think you mean like I would offend bipolar people by making a game about it I don't know I mean that's that's the only backlash I could imagine you know that I would actually care about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, we've come a long way in discussing mental health. One of the things that I wanted to do in the movie was, to, you know, I, I redid the movie with Doug because I wanted to talk about it. I was fresh out of rehab. I spent five weeks in rehab when Doug started filming, like a couple of months later. Right. So I was ready to talk about my experience and how important it is to remove the stigma. We've come a long way. Yep. Um, I wouldn't want to make a bipolar um, game that was about trying to crash somebody and make them, you know, have a, you know, a, a manic episode. I, I think the game needs to be positive. So, right. yeah, I think it's. I'm, I'm working on a, a national symbol for bipolar. Um, oh, I have oh another, yeah, that's nice. I think there should be something right next to the rainbow and the, you know, pink triangle and you know the Darwin fish. You know, there should be something on your bumper sticker that says, "I'm flying the flannel for my compadres um, in bipolar." Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mets. Love to see that. All right, Dale, you gonna wrap, buddy? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just want to say thank you both to Douglas and Randall for uh, coming on the show, sharing about your experiences. I know for a fact I'm already seeing thank yous on the YouTube channel and on personal notes of people that appreciated hearing more about the film. I really do want to recommend people to check out the film, uh, purchase it either online or, or order a copy on DVD. There's some fantastic extra features on there as well that you know we alluded to, but we we didn't touch that subject matter, and there's a lot of it. So um, you, you're going to just have to get the film and watch it and see the journey that Randall, uh, part of his journey at least, and we look forward to keeping in touch and hearing uh, how the story continues to unfold. So... Thank you, uh, both uh, Randall and Douglas. We uh, also want to say thank you to our fans. Keep uh, making great games, and we look forward to playing your game soon. Thank you so much, Daryl. See you at BGG. And yeah, we'll see you at BGG.